everybody, and welcome to Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I'm your host, Bill, and this is the beginning of a brand new season. It is season 13 of South Park that we're going to be going through together for the next several weeks and months ahead as we continue to go into the world of South Park. One of the amazing things about season 12 that doesn't really get talked about that much is the fact that Kenny didn't die in season 12. Yeah, believe it or not, Kenny was never killed in season 12 of South Park. Even though there was that one brief moment where at Super Fun Time he had a gun put to his head, he was not killed so this is really the longest we've ever gone with Kenny not being killed so and I think in a way maybe he's kind of rewarded for that as we'll see in this week's episode now before I get into the episode I do want to tell people that South Park in one way has changed. This is the first South Park episode to premiere in 16.9 and high definition television. So we're kind of entering into a new era of South Park and television. And what a perfect way to do it than by talking about the ring. So Let's dive into this week's episode, The Ring. This episode was written and directed by Trey Parker and originally aired on March 11th, 2009. Oh my lord, we've still got 12 years to go with this show. (laughs) Real quick, uh, somebody was joking with me the other day. Um... After the news that, you know, South Park had gotten five additional seasons, they're like, well, you're going to be doing this for another decade. Yeah, I probably am. But it's going to be fun. So the episode begins at the school and in the cafeteria where most of the boys are staring. And Carmen is like, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Kenny actually has a girlfriend. And she's apparently poorer than Kenny. Although clothes-wise, it doesn't look like that she's poorer than Kenny. So the girlfriend's name is Tammy Warner. And a little later on, I'm going to talk about who voiced Tammy Warner. So Butters comes by and he tells them that he heard that Kenny's got a girlfriend. Yes, we are well aware of that. But what Butters does tell them is that According to fifth graders, she's a whore. She's a slut. And that she gave a student, pardon me, she gave a student a BJ at a TGI Friday's parking lot. Well, this scares the boys and they have a talk with Kenny about, well, Tammy's ways. But this doesn't scare Kenny at all. As a matter of fact, it makes him more excited. 
So he goes over to Tammy's locker and she talks about how the time that she did, in fact, give someone a BJ at TGI Fridays. But it was only for one second. And then she talked about how she has, you know, the butterflies, I guess would be a good way to put it. Whenever she sees the Jonas Brothers on TV. And when she sees the Jonas Brothers, it gives her this feeling inside of her. And this gets Kenny even more excited. So, Kenny buys two tickets to go see the Jonas Brothers in concert. And then he also goes to buy condoms because he thinks that going to see the Jonas Brothers will have Tammy give Kenny a BJ. So, that night, they go to see the Jonas Brothers in concert. Bye, bye. And they perform the song, and all of the girls are going crazy, and they're screaming, and apparently Mr. Slave is also a fan of the Jonas Brothers, which I, I, I know it's Mr. Slave, but I'm kind of a bit concerned about him. So, after the concert, Kenny is excited because he's thinking that Tammy's going to give him a BJ. When one of the people working the concert point out to Tammy and another girl that they are going to go backstage to meet the Jonas Brothers. So eventually, six girls, including Tammy, go to meet the Jonas Brothers. And the Jonas Brothers, well, they tell them that they should wear purity rings. And that if they wear purity rings, they will be good people. So Kenny is looking at this, and the girls all agree to wear purity rings. Now I want to talk about the Jonas Brothers, because the Jonas Brothers, this was done in 2009. The fact that they are still relevant in 2021 even though some of them have gone their separate ways is really a a big success i think for the trio so the, the jonas brothers are nick joe and kevin in 2008 they were nominated for the best new artist at the 51st grammy awards which they did not win and won the award for Breakthrough Artist at the American Music Awards. As of May 2009, before the release of Lines, Vines, and Drying Times, they had sold over 8 million albums worldwide. They took a two-year hiatus to pursue solo projects, came back together in 2012 to record a new album, which was canceled following their breakup in 2013. Six years following the split, the group reunited with the release of Sucker on March 1st, 2019. The song became the 34th song in history to debut at number one on the Billboard's Hot 100 and became the Jonas Brothers' first number one single on the chart. Their fifth studio album, Happiness Begins, was released on June 7th, 2019, topping the U.S. Billboard 200. 
So, they have released five albums together. With the first one being It's About Time in 2006, then their self-titled album in 2007, a little bit longer in 2008, and the two previous albums mentioned in 2009 and 2019. The Jonas Brothers have been in five movies together, four of which have been played by themselves. They were in Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus' Best of Both Worlds concert, Jonas Brothers' The 3D Concert Experience, Jonas Brothers' Chasing Happiness, and Happiness Continues, a Jonas Brothers concert film. The only movie they were in where they were not themselves was 2009's Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, where they were cherubs. Their first television appearance was in 2007 on the Hannah Montana show in the episode Me and Mr. Jonas and Mr. Jonas and Mr. Jonas. They've appeared on television for many, many years, and one of them was a host on the most recent season of Saturday Night Live. I want to say it was Nick Jonas who was the host of an episode of Saturday Night Live, and I am... Am I correct? I believe I'm... Yeah, I should... Was it Nick? I don't remember now. Ah! It was one of the Jonas Brothers. I know that. One of them hosted Saturday Night Live. I'm sure someone is screaming at me right now the name. I thought it was Nick for sure. Was it Nick or was it Joe? Oh, it was. Okay, it was Nick. Yes, Nick was the host. Okay. Nick was the host uh, the previous season of Saturday Night Live. So, okay. Now that I've figured that out, let's briefly talk about what purity rings are. Purity rings, also known as a promise ring, an abstinence ring, or a chastity ring, are rings worn as a sign of chastity. Since the 1990s in the United States, Christian organizations, especially Catholic and Evangelical Christian groups, promoting virginity pledges and virginity before marriage like True Love Waits and Silver Ring Thing, use the purity ring as a symbol of commitment. Wearing a purity ring is typically accompanied by a religious vow to practice abstinence until marriage. Chastity rings are part of the abstinence-only sex education movement and are intended to act as a physical reminder of their chastity vow. Some famous supporters of the chastity ring besides the Jonas Brothers include Barlow Girl, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, the group One Crew, Demi Lovato, Stacy Orico, Jessica Simpson, and Jordan Sparks. So, Kenny is now distraught that he has to now wear a chastity or a purity ring because Tammy is now wearing one. So, he can't get his BJ at TGI Fridays. So now the boys are playing basketball, minus Kenny, and Butters comes running in and talks about how Butters has this ring on and talks about how, you know, he can't do anything really. And the guys know about it, but then Butters brings up a very good question. Isn't it the same as wearing a wedding ring? 
And then we get this bit of the episode where the Jonas Brothers are doing a music video and we get a scene in the music video, which I'm going to play in a moment, where Tammy and Kenny are meeting other couples that are wearing these purity rings. So let's go to the clip. Okay, so now they've seen the music video, and that's what they see. But behind the scenes, things get a little bit interesting. And cut. Great video shoot, guys. This is... Uh-oh, looks like we've got a problem. And indeed they do. And cut. Great video shoot, guys. This is bullpucky. Yeah, we've had it, gosh darn it. Uh-oh, looks like we've got a problem. Our decision is final. We have decided, as a band, not to wear purity rings anymore. Yeah, you tell them, Joe. Boys, I know you're tired, but the purity rings are important to the company's image. We don't care about the company. And you're going to say that to the boss's face? We, we aren't afraid of him. Well, I hope you're right, because the boss is on his way here. Now. Oh, Jesus, he's here. Boss is here. Let's be strong, guys. Hello, sir. How was your trip? What's all this I'm hearing about not wearing the purity rings, huh? Uh, we'll just leave you alone. So, uh, I guess we have some issues, huh? We need to talk about something. Oh, boy. I just love flying all the way to Colorado to hear about your problems, huh? Look, we just want our concerts to be about our music, and not about purity rings. Oh, gosh, fellas, let me explain this to you one more time. You have to wear the purity rings, because that's how we can sell sex to little girls. <laughs> See, if we make the posters with little girls reaching for your junk, then you have to wear purity rings, or else Disney Company looks bad. <laughs> well, we don't 
want to be selling sex to little girls anymore. Ring stay on! Well, well, maybe we'll just refuse to go on stage. Woof! You don't <laughs> talk to me like that! You little piece of sh! I love that part. So, now we have the greatest character and maybe the greatest villain that ever was created on television, Evil Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse was created in 1928 by the Walt Disney Company, who also serves as the brand's mascot. An anthro yeah, an anthropomorphic mouse who typically wears red shorts, large yellow shoes, and white gloves. Mickey is one of the world's most recognizable fictional characters. Credited as a replacement for a prior Disney character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, Mickey first appeared in the short Plain Crazy, debuting publicly in the short film Steamboat Willie in 1928, which was one of the first sound cartoons. He went on to appear in over 130 films. Mickey appeared primarily in short films, but also occasionally in feature-length films. Ten of Mickey's cartoons were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film, one of which, Linda Paul, won the award in 1942. In 1978, Mickey became the first cartoon character to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Beginning in 1930, Mickey also had been featured extensively in comic strips and comic books. The Mickey Mouse comic strip, which was drawn primarily by Floyd Gottfredson, ran for 45 years. And Mickey has also appeared in comic books such as Mickey Mouse, Disney Italy's Topolino, and M.M., the Mickey Mouse Mystery Magazine, and Wizards of Mickey. Mickey also features in television series such as the Mickey Mouse Club and others. We've talked about the Mickey Mouse Club in a previous episode. He appears in other such media as video games as well as merchandising and is a meetable character at the Disney parks. Now, how rare is it to be the voice of Mickey Mouse? Well, think about this. Only eight people have ever been the voice of Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse was first voiced by Walt Disney, who had two, two terms as the voice of Mickey Mouse, from 1928 to 1947, and then again from 1955 to 1962. Carl W. Stalling had a brief run in 1929, and then, and then Clarence Nash had two brief runs as Mickey Mouse in 1934, and then again from 1951 to 1952. Then came Jimmy McDonald, who voiced Mickey Mouse probably longer than, well, tied for the longest, as he was the voice of Mickey Mouse from 1946 to 1978. Then his predecessor... Wayne Allwine, who a lot of us know, 
was the voice of Mickey Mouse from 1977 to 2009. So McDonald and Allwine each had a 32-year run as the voice of Mickey Mouse. Les Perkins was the voice of Mickey Mouse from 1986 to 1987. And currently, there are two people that are the voice of Mickey Mouse. Brett Iwan, who started in 2009, and Chris Diamant. Topolis in 2013. So, Mickey Mouse is a basically he's a worldwide, um, basically he's a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, anywhere you go, you when you see Mickey Mouse, you know it's Mickey Mouse, which is really a big deal, I think, and that's the longevity. Of a successful cartoon character. Kind of like Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny has had a very good long run. And those are really the two that are associated together here in the United States as far as cartoon goes. Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Back to the episode now. After the Jonas Brothers got their ass beat by Mickey Mouse. We see Kenny looking up at a store trying to find a DVD of... Gray's Anatomy. And the guys are getting really worried. And they're getting worried to the point that they're blaming the Jonas Brothers for all of this happening. And they're going to get to the bottom of this and they're going to they're, they're, they're going to talk to the Jonas Brothers. That's what they're going to do. They're going to talk to the Jonas Brothers. Well, we find out the Jonas Brothers are on Good Morning Denver that day and that they are there to promote a televised 3D concert that's going to be happening that night at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. Mickey is telling them what to say in their earpiece. And we even get a joke at one point where the guy is like, Who wants the Jonas Brothers white foam, huh? So they each have like this machine and it just spits out white foam all over the girls. It's kind of a... different scene so then cartman mick or carmen stan and kyle they are there and they start yelling at the jonas brothers and they you know are trying to talk to them and mickey is like oh is this michael eisner again is this dreamworks they're trying to ruin me so mickey mouse uses a blow dart to knock out each of the three guys and the next time they wake up well, they're backstage at the Jonas Brothers concert. And Mickey asks them again, Are you trying to sabotage me? Are you working for DreamWorks? Oh, you won't ruin this for me. You won't ruin my night. Meanwhile, people are getting ready for the concert. There's a Christian family there watching on their TV, you know, at their home. Tammy and Kenny, they're getting ready to watch the concert as well. And then... Things don't go the way they intended for Mickey Mouse. You better start talking, huh? You better start talking right now! <laughs> he told you, we aren't working for another studio and there isn't a plan to sabotage your big night. We came on our own because our friend's purity ring is killing him. You're lying! I'll cut you off! <laughs> you see? We were right about the purity rings. A nice Christian symbol can't be used for profit gains. We've all angered God. You think God is in control here? <laughs> 
So after that, Mickey Mouse is flying like an inflatable balloon on Thanksgiving Day, destroying a town. And we hear that he's going back to Valhalla. Meanwhile, Tammy and Kenny, they look at each other and they decide to throw these purity rings out. And Tammy is gonna give Kenny a BJ at the back of a TGI Friday's parking lot. And then we get to the last scene where Kenny is dead. Yep. Kenny died from getting syphilis. And as the funeral is going on, Cartman reminds us that germs in a woman's mouth is the most disgusting place in the world. And we end the episode with Kyle going, now we know, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! And that is the end of The Ring, the season 13 premiere. Now, before I dive into this episode, I do want to talk about Mickey Ramos. Who is Mickey Ramos? Well, she voiced Tammy Warner in this episode. And it's kind of an interesting career for her because... Well, she's mostly known as a producer. She's produced Wipeout, the 2021 version, Floor is Lava, Battle of the Fittest Couples, Floribama Shore, I feel bad for all those that had to watch that, three episodes of Bridezilla's, The Runner, Living with the Enemy, Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge, Project Runway All-Stars, Solitary, Paradise Hotel, and a little TV show that we all know and love called MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Tammy Warner would work again for South Park in 2017 as she added and as she voiced other characters in the Fractured But Whole video game. So Tammy Warner is mostly known for being a television producer and some of the shows she's produced have been really big hits so what did i think about this episode 
Well, I'll tell you, it's a good way to start off Season 13. Season 12 kind of had a slow ending to it, and it almost seemed like we needed that season to end. And this season starts off in a good way. It really does. Um, I enjoy the episode. I think that... um, I, I think this is a good start to the season. And you have, like I said, maybe one of the greatest villains of all time an Evil Mickey Mouse make an appearance. Um, so I'm going to give this episode an 8. I think an 8 is a good grade to give this to start off the season. Um, I'm being totally fair. They're going after, at the time, one of the hottest bands in the world. And... Well, the Jonas Brothers are still one of the hottest bands in the world. Um, I do want to mention real quick, the first time I'd ever seen a video of Evil Mickey Mouse was on YouTube many years ago. And it's a video of where he, like, calls Bullwinkle. And Bullwinkle is late on his payment. So... And I I, I want to see if the video is up there real quick. If it is, I will post it on our Facebook group. Um, and, and, and what I'll do is I'll post it because I kind of don't want to spoil what happens. But it is so funny. And it's kind of out there. It's like... How could anybody, you know, think of doing this? But it is freaking brilliant. It is really, really brilliantly done. So, but if if I can find it, I'll put it up. If not, unfortunately, it's gone on YouTube. Okay, let's get into some notes of this episode. Um, This episode aired two days later on Satellite Paramount Comedy, which is the first time we've really mentioned it. Parker and Stone argued over whether to start the season with a Jonas Brothers episode or a show about the economic recession, which they had been planning to do for some time. Stone argued they should focus on the economy because it was the biggest news item at the time. But Parker felt they needed more time to craft the script and that the Jonas Brothers would be a funny season opener. Stone ultimately agreed and later admitted it was the right decision. An episode about the economy entitled Margaritaville was shown later in the season. I think that episode's going to be coming up real soon. By March 8th, three days before the episode premiered, the script was only half finished and the animation was not yet complete, in keeping with the practice of the show's creators to finish episodes upon last-minute deadlines. Stone said of the practice, quote, We don't do a live show, but we kind of harness some of that energy. We kind of need that to work. We're like, we have to do something right now. It's going on the air in just a few minutes. The Jonas Brothers characters were voiced by Parker and Stone, with Parker providing the voices for Kevin and Nick, and Stone voicing Joe. Although the two switched characters on some lines. Parker also provides the voice of Mickey Mouse. 
Parker and Stone were inspired to make the episode by the Jonas Brothers, the 3D concert experience film, which was released the previous month. Because they were unfamiliar with the band, they spent a large amount of time watching Jonas Brothers concert clips online, which they found unoriginal and not very enjoyable. Parker said one of the Comedy Central employees told them that after she took her young daughter to see the film, the girl said, Mommy, my Jenny tinkles! Parker thought the story was hilarious and worked the exact line into the episode. Reviewers and commentators have described The Ring as not just a parody of the Jonas Brothers and their songs, but also of the ethos of the Walt Disney Company. The episode portrays Disney as a corporation using the ruse of family-friendly morals to disguise their primary motive of profit. Reviewers and articles said this point is further illustrated by the use of Mickey Mouse, a cartoon symbol for the wholesome Disney image, as a foul-mouthed, contemptuous, greedy, all-powerful, and violent character. Specifically, the episode targets Disney's marketing tactic of having band members pledge abstinence through purity rings. The script suggests that the rings are used to subliminally sell sex to young girls while simultaneously appeasing the ethical standards of their parents and taking advantage of their fearful desire to protect their daughters, as Mickey explains in the episode. After watching footage of the Jonas Brothers, Parker and Stone said that they found their embrace of purity rings particularly fascinating, especially since they were simultaneously stirring sexual feelings in young girls. The episode further illustrates the greed of corporate culture by portraying Mickey as capitalizing on religion for profit while secretly mocking it in a particularly contemptuous tone. I've made billions off of Christian ignorance for decades now, and do you know why? Because Christians are retarded! They believe in a talking dead guy! When asked whether Stone really believed purity rings were lame as they were portrayed in the ring, he said, Well... I don't know. I didn't have one in high school, and I was still lame. In a television column written before The Ring was broadcast, Lisa DeMores of The Washington Post suggested Parker and Stone were using the Jonas Brothers in the 13th season debut as a means of improving the show's ratings. Comedy Central executives insisted Jonas Brothers fans do not fit into South Park's demographic of males between the ages of 18 and 49. These scenes with the Jonas Brothers using hoses to shoot foam into the face of their female fans were inspired by actual scenes in the movie. Matt Stone said some viewers found it so unusual they believed the writers made it up themselves. The Walt Disney Company, the Disney Channel, and the Mickey Mouse cartoon character are also prominently featured and spoofed in this episode. Even when Mickey Mouse says callous things or physically assaults people, he follows up most sentences with the character's trademark high-pitched laugh, which in context comes off like a nervous tick. Now to the reception. In its original American broadcast, The Ring was watched by 3.41 million viewers according to the Nielsen Media Research making it the second-most-watched Comedy Central production of the week behind the Comedy Central roast of Larry the Cable Guy, which was seen by 4.08 million viewers. The Ring outperformed the March 11th and 12th episodes of The Daily Show, which received wide media coverage due to an ongoing feud between host Jon Stewart, 
and CNBC pundit Jim Cramer, who was a guest in the latter episode. The 13th season premiere generally received published or positive reviews. Ken Tucker of Entertainment Weekly gave the episode a positive review, showing approval of Kenny's misadventure, saying, Thus did South Park ultimately come down on the side of religion and sexual freedom with lots of big laughs in the bargain. Trey and Matt are off to a great 13th season start. James Ponawasik of The Time wrote, said, The ring was better than any of the 12th season episodes. Said the episode demonstrated that the cartoon is best when it focuses on the four kids and when it is driven by a white-hot moral fury. Travis Fickett of IGN also particularly applauded the Disney satire, which he said elevates this beyond shock humor and into sharp satire. IGN gave the episode an 8.4 out of 10. Brad Trechek of TV Squad called The Ring a highlight of the season. Josh Modell of the AV Club gave the episode an A- grade, although he said it tended to become heavy-handed with its moral near the end. Modell said he particularly liked the reactions from the young girls at the Jonas Brothers concert, Kenny's enthusiastic response to his girlfriend's promiscuity, and the line from the Jimmy Vollmer character. The, oh, by the, the line, I'm sorry. The line is, if you guys found out my girlfriend was a raging horror, I don't want you to tell me. In its list of top television moments for the week, TV Guide listed as number seven a line of dialogue from the ring spoken by Butters. A ring that says you'll be together but not have sex. Isn't that called a wedding ring? Sonny Bunch, that's a real name, Sonny Bunch of the Washington Times said the episode was both funny and smart, a wry commentary on the inherent trickiness of marketing a rebellious art form infused with sexuality to children who have no business being sexually active themselves. Tamar Anatai, a blogger for MTV, said the episode was hilarious. He said the South Park writers actually appear to sympathize, if not side with, the Jonas Brothers. In the end, Disney and Christianity ended up getting a far more severe skewering than the Jonas Brothers. Alan Seppenwall of the Star-Ledger said he thought the Mickey Mouse character was used as an effective satirical device for corporate greed, but said he was not particularly impressed with the overall episode because it targets the Jonas Brothers and the Disney company for using them to sell sex to little girls with impu impunity were so easy to hit. In contrast, the Parents Television Council, Council oh boy, criticized the episode for such elements and they named this episode the worst cable content of the week. According to a news report by CanWest News Service, the Jonas Brothers publicist specifically forbade reporters from asking the band members about this episode. Nick Jonas told the Orlando Sentinel that the band had not seen the episode, saying, quote, We are always open to make fun of, of ourselves. For us, we're so focused on what we're doing with this tour and our album, we didn't have much time to see it. In two separate 2016 AMAs on Reddit, Nick and Joan Jonas reflected on the episode, saying, When it first came out, I didn't think it was funny, to be honest, but probably because I was actually living all of that in real time. So it just made it harder to come and live your life as a young person and have all that going on. 
But years later, and once the purity rings were no longer around, it was very funny to me, and I've actually watched the episode a few times. I loved it. When it first came out, I was so pumped. That was from Joe. I know that Nick was really kind of not into watching it, but I thought it was the funniest thing at the time, and it's kind of a compliment, because obviously, if you go to a comedy show and they pick you out and make fun of you, you can't heckle back. Back. You, you gotta just take it and enjoy it. And for me, I've always been a fan, and I knew that was kind of a wow, we made it moment. And also, they were kind of attacking Disney more than me, so I didn't really feel threatened. Now I watch it back and laugh and Mickey kicked my ass so I won the episode by beating by being beat up by Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Alright, way to go. Okay, now let's go to IMDB, see what they thought of this episode. Over 2.4 thousand people have watched this episode or have rated this episode, and the average rating is an 8.2 out of 10. 719 people gave it an 8. That's going to be the grade I give it this week. 551 gave it a 10. 502 gave it a 9. And 55 gave it a 1. To break it down to demographics, the average rating for a male is an 8.1, with its highest demographic being under 18, with a rating of 8.3. And females seem to like this episode more. Their average rating is an 8.5, with its highest demographic being in the 18 to 29 group with an 8.7 average rating. So, now that we've gone through that, let's see what some of the IMDB users thought of this episode. And let's begin with Filmmaker13, who wrote, South Park takes on Disney. Trey and Matt always say that the simplest idea is one that usually turns out good, and this episode proves their point. What is continually impressive and entertaining about South Park is that they continually focus on just one story without getting sidetracked and still have it riff with political and social satire. In this episode, they explain the real reason why the Jonas Brothers wear purity rings. Turns out Disney likes to sell sex to little girls. Just watch the episode. What is truly amazing is that at the end of what is an episode I predict will never be in syndication on a major network, they make the point about tweens not having sex that is far more convincing and brilliant than those rings ever could. I still have loyalty to The Simpsons, so it makes it hard to admit this, but South Park is the best show on television. Not so hard to admit that it, even on its worst day, South Park surpasses Family Guy on its best. Okay, uh, let's read this review from Piper Ian396, who wrote, This episode is very good as far as South Park's recent episodes go. Lately, I've been getting the feeling that South Park doesn't feel like an animated comedy and more of a vehicle for Trey and Matt's commentaries on modern culture. This episode has commentaries on culture, but the plot relies on one of the characters, this time Kenny. Kenny doesn't usually get very many episodes centered around him, but when he does, they are usually incredibly funny, such as Major Boobage. The plot revolves around Kenny getting a girlfriend, and in an attempt to get her to perform a certain act on him, he gets her tickets to a Jonas Brothers concert. 
But the Jonas Brothers take her backstage, and instead of using her like a groupie, they give her a ring to have her pledge abstinence and stay out of trouble. I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but it all turns into a funny commentary on subjects like Disney and Grey's Anatomy. All in all, I'd recommend this episode to fans of the show. Okay, here's a kind of in the middle review from Clumsy85 who wrote, Premises of South Park have always been popular culture. However, one of the strengths of the series has always been the subtly or subtly, uh, subtly with which the writers showed their opinions towards the subject matter. This lacked both subtly and real substance. Amusing moments, no doubt. However, amusing in a chuckling way, not the laugh-out-loud manner to which South Park fans have been accustomed. The last five minutes of the episode showed some depths of creativity and intelligence. However, this did little to reflect the lack of depth of the rest of the episode. Caricaturing what grossly was, or was grossly exaggerated and not in an intelligent way. Over the top, perhaps unnecessary. A good idea ruined by an elongated beginning which never quite metamorphosized into a full episode. The major characters were marginalized, focusing too heavily on pop culture references which could be lost on a large part of the audience. However, let it be said that Cartman, all be him, a peripheral, a peripheral character, was as ever amusing and insightful. What a shame that his intelligence was lost in a maelstrom Maelstrom of OTT zeitgeist humor. Eee, okay. Uh, let's read one more. This is from Rich and Stoney, who wrote, This episode of South Park has to be, without a doubt, one of the worst I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it's so damn boring. Hardly any swearing, any rude jokes. It's going downhill fast. The writers need to come up with something more original if it wants its millions of fans to keep watching because right now, and he wrote it, W-R-I-T-E, by the way, I think they're losing the plot or they was extremely high when they wrote this episode. I thought the idea of these shows was to expose the frauds and facts of the world. Sure, the Jonas Brothers are lame and fake, but they could have picked someone a lot more interesting to rip. That's all I'm saying. I hope the next episodes are better than this horse plop. Jeez, tell us how you really feel, pal. Alright, well that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, you guys can follow the show on Twitter at SharksPond97. And you can join us on our Facebook group. It is... Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. That's all you have to do. Just type that in the search bar and you are right there. Add yourself to the group and you will be added. And don't worry if you can't find us, it's okay. I put the link in the description of each and every episode. Well, we had the debut of maybe one of the greatest villains of all time. Next time, we're going to have a debut of one of the most important superheroes of the last 20 years. Because next time, I'm reviewing The Coon. That is next time on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Bill, and enjoy the ride of Season 13 of South Park.